got diamonds on my neck, got diamonds on my record. Six and steam coming down, riding Lexus. How you gonna neglect this? You was just a hot mess. You can call Tyrone. You ain't got to lie, Craig. What about my body, body? You don't want my body, body? Acting like I'm nobody. You gonna make me call somebody? What about my body, body? You don't want my body, body? Acting like I'm nobody. You gonna make me call somebody? Let's go. Come on. Oh, Get come it. on. Come oh no! On. Oh come on! <laughs> Little titty hat. I think it's time to go. Oh That's girl. not fair. That's oh, no. not fair. Yes, That's it is. That's not fair. Okay, I yes, need y'all to. You didn't set me up. Yes, I haven't heard is. that song in so wow. long. I, feel I set am up. not here to make up for your deficiencies. <laughs> If Beyonce says jump, my nigga, you say how high. First of all, you know I'm so bad. Like, always, literally, always every time. Up I never, always mess it Never up. knows the lyrics. Always. Never. It's disgusting. Oh, man. Um, hi. <laughs> Welcome hi. back, back again to Tuesday Queens. I'm Miss mm-hmm. Malachi. Um, I'm joined by the lovely Miss Devereaux. And mm-hmm. we have a special guest who we're going to introduce in a minute. Um, oh, I guess it could be now. <laughs> Our special guest is Cameron Johnson. Hi. Right. Do I, get a fake name? Do I get a fake name to go with? No, we're good. Uh, okay. Oh, I'm we Cameron should work Johnson. out. Oh. I'm Cameron oh, yeah. That's who I am. It's very, that's Aunt, my brand. Auntie CJ. Auntie CJ. Auntie CJ. <laughs> oh, Auntie CJ. I love that. I love I'm that. Really just, my, my, so much of my identity is being an uncle now. It's just like I am... <laughs> I am uncle to to Ethan and Hollis, uh, and they are the and they are incredible, and so and they are adorable. And I spend quite a lot of my time looking at pictures of them and like being like, oh my god, is she? And like thinking about like words that they're saying or not saying, pretending that they can talk. It's lots of fun. Oh, babies! Love babies. Um, Huge fan. We're gonna talk a lot about you and what you do, but I have to start off by saying, you know, writer, um, producer. Um, Comedian, would I say? Stand- sometimes, yeah, sometimes, 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 not um, always, but sometimes. And friend of the show, friend of mine, and Miss Devereaux. Mm-hmm. So, um, this week, y'all, we got a whole bunch of firsts. Um, hopefully, this audio works out because we got a different kind of setup to allow our wonderful guests. One of us is on the road, which we will talk about. So, that's new. Um, and yes, we have our first guest. So, exciting, exciting, exciting. How are you, Miss Devereaux? What's good, girl? Well, girl, you know, I actually wanted to know about your Corona getaway, girl. How was it? Uh, how was she? Don't put it like, first of all, don't put it like that, okay? Mm. It's like a getaway from Corona. Like, yeah. So, first of all, you know, everybody got tested before we went to the house. Like, there's okay. about five of us. We all made this agreement. Bitch, don't show up there without, you know, having your test papers. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it very, and we had rules about people not going to, you know, other places and making sure you know we had a wonderful person with us who oh shit see i already already you had a girl like did say. you have <laughs> did you have a girl like me there you had a girl who was really about that quarantine life about wiping down because yeah. you, you wiping down groceries you're wiped down groceries, groceries right i wipe, wipe down it. groceries wipe I w- it. wipe <laughs> Wait. The thing about exactly the thing right. about wiping down groceries at this point is that so the science tells us that that's not necessary. <laughs> but like if you personally like spiritually in your heart of hearts like in the in just in the really the the kitchen of your soul feel like you need to take a Lysol wipe to a packet of chicken then like <laughs> I'm then okay. Like Girl, I just I like... can't mock anyone at this point for like doing what they need to do to feel safe as mm. long as they are acknowledging that that is not actually making them safer. This is just Girl. a thing that's making you feel safe. 
Okay, it's like using a condom and prep, though, girl. It's like <laughs> the, du- the double dose. <laughs> that's bitch. stupid. You know, that is that's a waste. what it is. That's a waste of pills, and frankly, a waste of rubber. Rubber is a natural resource. Vinyl is made from oh, is made from petroleum. You don't need to do all that. God. If you're gonna take the prep, then I mean, girl, but you know, girl. I'm herpes free over here, girl. I'm chlamydia Same. free. I'm gonorrhea free, girl. Chlamydia is two shots you know. and, a, and, and, a, and a weekend. Like, you good. That's fine. That's one less doctor appointment for me, bitch, though. <laughs> right? Okay. That's it. I mean, we were all safe. Like, that. we were all, you know, trying to make sure. I mean, we didn't even go to the grocery. We just had delivery. Like, even for mm-hmm. coffee, like, when we had Starbucks, because um, you were there as well, Mr. Johnson, so even for Starbucks. Um, oh, were we it's not? Fine. It's fine. It's fine. Bitch! That's what we're doing. You now. called that hoe out, That's what bitch. Because I'm not I mean, I'm it's, it's, it's totally fine. 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 I just have to tell one of your most fervent listeners that I did this. We, oh. She knows I did it, and I know I did do it, we but do, we're just not talking about it. Do we need it's to fine. redo? No, no, we're good. We're good. We're good. We're going to keep going. Let's just keep going. Okay. I mean,. She's judging you anyway, bitch. Exactly. I mean, quietly, quietly, quietly and loudly. About, well, try and make the good. Okay, are you ready to move on? Are we? <laughs> no, I it, think it was a make it look it, better. Here's the thing. Here's the thing about traveling during COVID. I think that everyone has different risk tolerances. There are people who like you absolutely need to stay in your goddamn house all the time. But I am single. I live alone, and mm. I work from home. And so my job is essentially thinking all day and typing stuff, and then my and then I'm like, okay, cool. Well, it's six o'clock. So the day is over. I guess I'll stare at a screen or like talk to someone. There is nothing, even though we're at, at home, there's nothing about this that is relaxing. So yeah. if you can make yourself, if you can find a way to like spend time around other human beings safely, then that's a good thing. Now, sometimes you can pick the wrong motherfuckers, which is what I did the last time I went to Palm Springs. Uh, and you know, got a little awkward, but we had we had a good time. Maybe someone they were a little more reckless than I was. Not they were bad people. We had a fun time together. But one of them calls me three days later and was like, "Hi, sorry, so um, I can't taste anything and I have a fever." And I then had to lock myself in my house for the next week, getting and go get tested to make sure that I didn't develop COVID. Uh, and I didn't. None of us did. That's but that's the beauty of outdoor socializing. As long as you are outdoors, you are probably fine. But it was a scary weekend, so you know I went oh, with a no. responsible set of women to a beautiful house in a very nice neighborhood in Palm Springs, and I would happily do it again. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I was gonna wait to be messy. I was gonna wait. <laughs> But, but it's like this is the perfect time. But. Okay, so I'm thinking back, girl, to March eighth. I'm March thinking 8th, back to 2020. A, 2020, a certain mm-hmm. birthday party at a certain girl's house, mm-hmm. right? Oh, um, we're doing that. Okay. Yeah, we're doing that. And a couple, <laughs> a couple girls who are on this podcast right now were present, girl. <laughs> Meet present company excluded because I was not there. I was. Um, we don't need to. Detroit. We don't need to dance around this. I okay. had a birthday party on March eighth, okay. 2020. It was a okay. delight. It was a delight. Okay, so now Miss Malachi was there, right? Yes, she was. Yes, she was. And right before I right before I caught a flight to London exactly. in a jumpsuit, <laughs> in a exactly. jumpsuit with her dick out, with business in the street, just visible wow. bulge. There was on. just bulge. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay, so I just want to know what were you hoes thinking though? What were it y'all was still thinking? okay. First of all, it was still early days. Like I will, and we, and we were talking. I will acknowledge that I did not understand how serious this was until after that party. 
So mm. I was looking at the LA numbers and there were 10 cases in LA. And I was like, this isn't a real thing. I see this thing happening in China. China's had a number of outbra- outbreaks over the years. There has been swine flu, there's been SARS, and they never seem to make it over to, you, to the US. And so this is the thing I'm going to see on CNN. And then mm. I went to a meeting the, a couple of days before and the, no one would shake my hand. And I was like, that's mm. odd. Like, this very prominent showrunner. We had a lovely meeting. But she was like, I'm not hugging people or shaking hands because of COVID. No, because, and I was like, oh, that's that's weird. And then I had the party. But in having the party, I was like, okay, well, no, I don't really know what COVID looks like. So I made sure. So I was like, let me get individual. I, I, ha- I have two lists of people that I invite to things. There's like a long <laughs> list. And then there's like a shorter, like, shorter, like, shorter spreadsheet of people who I really enjoy. And I just was like, let me make this a small spreadsheet party. I went to three different beverages and more and bought enough individual champagne bottles so no one would have to share anything. And it seemed like, and it was a wonderful party. It was a wonderful event. Um, and I have two friends who had COVID who didn't come. They didn't know that they had COVID at the time, but they were like, I'm just really sick. I don't really know what's going on. I'm not going to come. I feel really bad. One of them, when I were going to have dinner that next week, and he was just like, I just don't want to endanger you. So just like, we'll stay home. So I feel like, Mm. fortunately, I have responsible friends and no one was, uh, and no one was, and it wasn't a super spreader event. Um, And frankly, it was the last social event that the vast majority of my friends attended. So if you were going to begrudge us an electric slide over disease, (laughs) then I don't really... (laughs) I don't understand. Like, I feel, I feel, I, I don't understand why you would do that, sir. Would you well, not have done me, it? Oh, of course not. Of course not. Come on. Why are you even <laughs> asking that it. question? You Think know Miss Devereaux. Now, now here, let me tell you why, okay? Me and a certain girl who's going to admonish you for being in Palm Springs last weekend. <laughs> right. Me and, that, me and that girl, right? We were right. already talking the weekend before. We were on February 28th, tease, mm-hmm. And we were like, okay, this is our last hurrah. Like, I told I went out to dinner with my family, with my mom, my brothers, and I told all of them, I said, this is our last weekend doing anything. We are in the house after February 28th, 29th, March 1st, and we're mm-hmm. in the house. Now, of course, they went to Joe Biden events. <laughs> they went to luncheons mm-hmm. with, you know, COVID ladies. Um, they did all type of tea. Of course, they're okay. But I'm just saying I, I was in the house after March 1st. I haven't seen a friend since February, whatever. Like That's beautiful. I love yeah. that journey for you. Um, but so that, how are you? That wasn't your journey, though. That wasn't just that. Just wasn't going to be my journey. I was like, okay. let me not be reckless. But let me be as smart as I possibly can. But I mean, if you really want to drag me, that the party is not the thing you should drag me for. Because... Yeah, I, I thought that was off limits. So I thought I, I didn't want to go there. But the party is not the thing you should drag me what for. What you should drag me for, if we're gonna drag Cameron Johnson's uh, Corona okay. strategy, was in December. I was having a difficult time in my professional life, and I decided to take myself on a lavish vacation. I, in discussion with uh, Doctor said i think i was gonna i was gonna go for the weekend of my birthday and then have a birthday party the next weekend and i decided no i'll have my birthday party on the 8th and then i'll go to mexico on the 12th okay so on the 8th i had my birthday party and on thursday march 12th i after i left my office i got on a plane and i went to puerto verde and that's the same day miss djt donald j trump talked about shutting down the borders with europe and everything right that That was the same day that happened the the next after i landed so like okay. after I was checked okay. in and then I was in <laughs> lo- I was at the W Punta Mita, which is lovely by the way, highly recommend. Oh, can't wait. Um, 2021. 2021, gonna be great. Uh I was there and then the next day they were on CNN talking about shutting down the borders. And I was like, this is 
probably not the smartest thing I've ever done. So <laughs> okay, okay. I was just like, this is probably kind of stupid. And then if you ever want to be terrified, so the thing, PV is a, is a, is a, is a cruise ship hub. So mm-hmm. they were, there were all these cruises that were canceled. And so in flying back to LA, I was surrounded by elderly Australians. Mm-hmm. I didn't have a mask. I mm-hmm. didn't have nan one bit of hand sanitizer, not a soap. <laughs> I didn't even have water-based lube, nothing just to clean it off. <laughs> and there was this Persian woman in front of me who was like, I was like, can I just, can I have some hand sanitizer? And she gave me wipes and sanitizer and I wiped down my whole area and sanitized my hands. And then thank God for the privilege that is global entry because I didn't have to wait in a line. I walked right past those motherfuckers. I had a, the car picked me up and off I went. And so, and then I stayed in my house. Okay. Okay. So that was the same day that Miss Malachi actually flew back from London, Mm -hmm. you know, emergency last minute. That's the same day you left. To go to Mexico. I, I just want to make in, make sure the math was Check the up. timeline. Yeah, I was checking the timeline, girl. I had a lovely time. Good. I'm so glad. I want to reiterate, I had I'm a lovely so time. I'm so glad. I laid out on that beach. I drank a lot of margaritas. My my room had both a private pool and a private hot tub. All I needed to bring with me was like, like, a, like a verse bottom or just bottom <clears> to like hang out. But it, that would have been it. That would have been it, just oh, to be so you, in the room and be accessible. But other than uh, that, that's fine. Y'all hoes fucking with my brand. So I gotta, I, we gotta say, you know, this trip, this for me, this sponsoring trip was. I've been in my small little studio. I love her. She's cute. She's petite. So cute. She does what she needs to do. Mm-hmm. But I've been in her for three months, and for me, it was just a chance to get away from helicopters and mm-hmm. fireworks that start at two in the morning, and that gave me baby work. Hard to sleep, crazy anxiety. So for me, it was like, yeah, and it was nice to see people, nice to be Mm -hmm. in present, and to do it as safely as we can, because I think we'll get into it. I do think it is a spectrum about the risk you take. Like, you know, I've been having conversations with people who are like, oh, a family member died. And yes, I could not go, but... I, my parent wants me there. Like, and it's like, you are accepting risk in those situations. And Mm -hmm. I think, I don't know. I think we're getting to this point where like, when it really is looking like this is 2021, this is the year. Like, it's not just, we're not just going to overcome this and it's going to be okay. Like, this is going to be with us for a bit that I think people Mm -hmm. are going to have to make those type of harder decisions. Am I going to literally be a recluse for the next six to nine months? Or am I going to accept some risks so I can see a family member, see a person I care about? Take a vacation to get some get some days. So get some days. I, yeah, I didn't say yeah. that. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. Don't do that. Um, so anyway, let's try. Let me try to get this trade back on the track. Okay, girl. <laughs> um, how are you this ever? How so? How is your journey? So yeah. you were at. How were you this weekend? How was yeah, your Fourth of July? So you know where I was. You know I was at <laughs> home. <laughs> yeah. So I was, no, I was boycotting my family this weekend and their Corona barbecues. Okay. Number one. Number two, I was at home solo. Um, I was watching a certain infomercial girl. It's called, um, for this vitamin, it's called Advanced D. And I'm like, I ordered some of that just because, like, I wanted some Advanced D in my life since I can't get any D. Like, you want that doctoral level. Doctoral level D. 500 level D. You don't just like that 101 intro. So I ordered some of those vitamins off the infomercial that I had never seen before. And then, but girl, I got a story for you on some restaurant teas. Okay. So I was called, I called my 81 year old godmother. I was like, oh, girl, what are you doing? What are you up to? And she was like, oh, I just came back from the mall and I went to Olive Garden. And I'm like, 
Bitch, Olive Garden. Do you want to die? Like, what are you doing? She risked it all for Olive Garden, hoes. She risked it all for Olive Garden. She went inside and ate in the goddamn Olive Garden with her 80-something-year-old boyfriend, too. And, like, literally both of them are, like, coined, coined. Like, coined, coined. I'm going to say that much. They have money. And they like and that's and they risk it all for Olive Garden, bitch. I just want it, to point out the luxury of everything you just described because that woman is living a much better life than we are. That woman has easy access to dick. That woman is like has someone to watch the prices right with her and somebody to probably <laughs> drive her to Olive Garden to enjoy her all you can eat breadsticks and pasta side. That is um that's goals. I'd say that's Isn't goals. Isn't that that's mm-hmm. goals, girl. But yeah, also so there's I'm, a there's a reconsidering that happens of any choice we make is like, do you want to die over Olive Garden? Yeah. And I think those girls, uh, unlimited salad and best bread. I mean, those breadsticks used to bang back in the nineties. I'm not going to lie. Like they did. The nineties, they still, well, yeah. I've never been to Olive Garden. What? (laughs) Oh my gosh. No, there was a guy who wanted to take me on a date to Olive Garden because I told him I'd never been to Olive Garden. And then when we went to go to Olive Garden, he hadn't, like, you know, Googled where the Olive Garden was anymore and it was closed. So we ended up going to Chili's and, like, it was very hot and we were outside. And I was like, this is not something I want to. Oh, and you're boring. Okay, I don't want to do this. And so, yeah, that was that. Oh, girl, you have so many dates, girl. You always got a date story, don't you? I'm what's called a whore. It's fine. Oh, yeah. um, I forgot. We tried. <laughs> yeah, girl. Uh, well, we will get into um, <laughs> Mr. Johnson's dating history in a bit. <clears throat> Before that, let's um, let's do some good news, bad news. Let's get to some stories. Um, we have updates on a couple of stories, um, like the laws of sweet Elijah McLean and some of the officers who were involved in that. Um, did you, Cameron, uh, I'm sure you're familiar with uh, what happened to Elijah where um, he was walking home with his headphones on. Um, and I think singing he had, a song and dancing, <clears throat> singing a song, had on a mask, and then officers basically racially profiled him, um, proceeded to put him in another chokehold. Um, and at some point, literally, because he partly, I think, you know, a bit introverted or someone just who was not could not handle that kind of energy that they were giving to him. Um, basically, was starting to go into um, cardiac arrest. Um, they had to get um, EMT there, who gave them what? What was the girl? Was it ket- ketamine? Girl, they ketamine. gave her ketamine. ketamine. Yeah, uh, you yeah. know the, some of the, some girls that we know's favorite drug. Um, and yeah, he ultimately died. Um, so there's been some interesting, you know, with this. This happened. Oh God, last this year, August, August 2019. Oh, right. Yeah. So really was just out of public consciousness consciousness um until it really started getting trending and people started really looking into the story and getting some of the footage of what happened. Uh because apparently something happened with their body cameras, um, even they some of the security cameras the around it. <laughs> That's what happened. Uh, so with this, um, you know, we're having a little bit of an update with some of these officers getting fired, but not it's it's just a whole thing. Do you want to talk about it, Mr. Everell, about Oh, yeah. So, okay, I'll talk about it. Uh, so basically, four officers, three of them resi- or three of them got fired, one resigned. Uh, three of the officers who actually were either terminated or resigned, they were the ones who took a photo after the fact, reenacting mm-hmm. the scene at the at the scene of the murder, really, uh, doing a chokehold on each other. And then they sent a text message to one of the other officers who actually was, you know, one of the murderers involved in the incident. And he replied, ha ha. So he got fired, and then those of those three officers, two of them uh, got fired and one resigned. So a total of four out of six are, uh, 
got fired or resigned. So two of the officers, though, who actually committed the murder, are actually still on the force in Aurora, mm-hmm. Colorado. So that's what's so fucked up. Okay, I'd actually rather the officers, all of the, all those motherfuckers need to get fired, like all six mm-hmm. of them, right? But four out of six ain't bad. So yeah, we got two more exactly. left to go, right? <clears throat> So that's one update there. The next one is about um, one of our favorite um, white women, Miss um, Amy Cooper, who um, had Bye, bitch. That, <laughs> that whole moment uh, with the, the finest Christian Cooper. Oh, who, yes. I, oh, yes. I had some problems with him kind of like trying to, he wasn't caping for her, but I was like, he oh, was. I think people were kind of being too harsh. Um, oh, I hate that shit. Know. I but really Amy, do. he has, yeah. look, 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 look. I, the minute we saw that photo and heard him talking about being a black murder, I said, I will bet you 300 to 700 dollars that there is a, a white man named Seth or Jeff or Jason in his bed and that they are and he was very concerned when he didn't come back with their coffees that morning and hopefully we're never going to hear from him. So I think that there is a certain uh, comfort that he has and compassion he has for uh, the Caucasian kind that mm. we saw in his reaction to what happened mm. to Miss Cooper. I could see that um, because Miss Cooper, um, for those of y'all who don't remember, she was the one who called the police um, on him because she had her dog off the leash while Mr. Christian Cooper was just doing a bit of bird watching. And then once he put her on camera, she proceeded to freak out and pretend like he was attacking her. Uh, so she is up for, um, you know, they're, um, the attorney general, I, th- I think, in, in New York is filing, um, you know, putting char- charges against her for, you know, falsifying a police report. Uh, now, there's some, there was some interesting tea around someone we know, Mr. Everyone I know, Mr. Mark Lamont Hill, kind of coming out against this, basically saying that he doesn't think Miss Amy should even be um, charged. Now, I have my thoughts on, I watched the video. Did you watch the video, girl? Girl, I couldn't watch that whole video. Oh, I, it's, I have my limits. It's I do. so silly. You, oh, you watched it? You watched it. Okay. What do you oh, think what actually, you? Let's, well, let's let our I mean, guests go first. What do you think, Cameron? Wait, the no, which video? The- which We're talking about the Mark Lamont Hill video, girl. So, like, Mark Lamont Hill came out talking about, like, we shouldn't charge Miss Amy Cooper. We need to be abolitionists across the board. We need to be consistent. Mm -hmm. And um, did you? I didn't. I I don't think I have time. That's just like in like the realm of things. Exactly. I mean, I'm I'm happy to I'm happy to give it a gander, but I think there's an uncomfortable Mm -hmm. truth, which is that you know there are a lot of black people who have made a a, a sort of a craft works or in uh, a cottage industry out of assuaging the fears of white people by repeating their talking mm. points. So there's no, by just like, yeah, okay, so yeah, of course we shouldn't judge Amy Cooper and we should be nice to her and make sure she, that she has chocolate milk and she kids to keep her dog and shit. And there's no real reason to do all of that. None of that really serves a purpose. So if that's what she was doing, what Dr. Hill was doing, then, you know, well, let me say That's this much. I, and, and okay, in defense of Miss Mark Lamont Hill, doc, Dr. Mark Lamont, Mark Lamont Hill. She, I just also um, call people doctor for no reason. So just... No, but he, but he is doctor, though. He is doctor, though. <laughs> he generally does not do that. He is not a placator of white people. But he says that, you know, we need to be consistent because he's a police abolitionist. He doesn't believe, he believes we should abolish police, right? So charging her is antithetical to his particular cause. I say fuck that shit, Right. I do think on this particular issue, he also disappoints, though, because I think a lot of black hetero men, they can't they can disappoint us a lot of times because they do. I mean, I I think he's not generally one of those. I think in this particular instance, Dr. Mark Lamont Lamont Hill is one of those. But, um, you know, and I I think I mean, he's hetero. But I I definitely I mean, beyond that part, I mean, even with him way back. Oh, girl. Yeah. (laughs) 
girl. He's so fine, though. But I feel like I feel like he liked the attention because he used to flirt back. Way I back. think it was about the attention from yeah, what I remember too. from him from those days. Many but he's come a long way. I love mean, yeah. atten- love gay attention. It's exactly. a spectrum. But just real exactly. quick on the abolitionist tea, I think there's just something there about you know, there still should be consequences. Um, and a lot of abolitionists, exactly. God, even it sent me to like reading Angela Davis. And even she, when they're talking about doing abolishing like pr- the prison system, it's not about like, okay, prisons are just gone tomorrow, but it's about just taking away their presence in our society and limiting it. And then maybe we will get to a point where they truly are gone, but not before we've found other ways of either investing in the community and having centers and finding other restorative ways, you know, to have conversations with people who have had harm done to them by the people who harm them. And there was nothing in that. There was nothing about what are the consequences that he thought Amy should face. It was just like, oh, well, you know, she lost her job. That bitch is going to get another job. She lost her dog, yeah. which she got back. She got back the fucking dog. And then literally even at, toward the end of the video, he was kind of mentioning, oh, there's something about like this could, you know, harm rape survivors. And even when he was talking about it, or sorry, rape victims. And even when he was talking about it, he was kind of stuttering through it. It just felt like he was just grabbing for something. So the only thing that, that I a loss, see Mark. sort of glancing at his Twitter thread on this is that is we also <laughs> have to consider we also have to consider that these retributive approaches will not largely impact the powerful who will be most likely criminalized if we intensify prosecutions for filing false police reports, not the Amy Coopers of the world. So that's true. Policing, increased policing, like, uh, it will increase to increase, will, will, will lead to increased prosecutions of policed people and black people are mm, a policed people. Yes. But I wonder if specifically the way that we've adjusted the way that like hate crime legislation works like is there a way to make racially motivated <laughs> calling up like false police report filing Ill- illegal in some way though i mean then it's hard mm. to prove motivation and those are all sorts of questions mm. but yeah girl i honestly don't think what are they going to charge amy cooper with or what are they this is going to be very much like a slap on the wrist parking ticket kind of vibe um right. but i don't know i don't know what a legal approach to dealing with because the problem to dealing with white people calling police on black people. No, because I mean, what that really comes down to is a cultural desire on the behalf of white people to police blackness. So mm. it's, I mean, everybody who every black person who's ever been black in a car in a white neighborhood knows that mm. when a black a white person comes up and knocks on your window or says, "Do you need assistance?" or "Are you lost?" or "Can I help you?" They're me and nigger. What the fuck are you doing here? And even if they mean it in the most polite way possible, even if they could never even imagine saying those things, even if they voted for Obama three times, <laughs> Hillary twice. Um, and literally are planning and literally just murdered their Trump voting relatives. There is racism is just in the heads of many white people. Mm. And yeah. it's not a character flaw. It's a behavior. And so until you can like get white people to look at and question. So why do you think that that person doesn't belong in your neighborhood? What is it about that person that makes it like, what is it about? And, and Amy Cooper wasn't stupid. Look at the If you watch that call, she looks at him with this wild look in her eyes and she says, I'm going to tell them that I'm going to call the police and tell them that there's an African-American man threatening me. African-American. And she says it with such venom and such antipathy that she knows this bitch knows exactly what she's saying. She knows that the police will be on her side and that if they and that they will show up quickly. And then she and then you watch her raise the octaves in her voice as you know, she's like, and I'm really scared. Oh, my God, please come help me. Like she knows what she's doing. This isn't a stupid person. So, anywho, yeah, white people can be trashed. Um, yeah, I would have, I would have given that bitch something to be worried about. Like, <laughs> I always think about that. Like, I would have given that hoe something to be worried about. I would have put a gun on that bitch. Well, I'm in Detroit, <laughs> but 
I would have you I are. I would have actually gone to jail. I feel like I would actually gone to jail. Doctor so Devere, I just you are pro- a little more light skinned. <laughs> Doctor Devereaux, you are a bit more light skinned than uh, Doctor Malachi and I are, and I don't think that either of us would be feel safe pulling out a weapon on these hoes uh, in, well, in such a situation. Yeah, I think I would. I think I would. that's my problem. That is that's that's my problem, bro. Because I'm quick to oh, girl, I shouldn't. I, I shouldn't implicate myself on So moving um, on to good okay, news, go. bad news. Right. Um, the true good news, bad news for this week. Uh, I, I'm i curious if this is good news or bad news. Ye is running for president. Kanye West is um, not running for fucking president, and that is bad news. Period. <laughs> no, Miss Cameron, you said, you. I think you had a tweet where you said, don't give this girl any attention, don't yes. feature her, like, mm-hmm. don't think about her. You want to expand on that at all, or what do you? I mean? uh, of course. Look, here's the thing. So, um, I was a. I remember in 2004 when I first started listening to Kanye West. When you would hear his work, I would go to the gym. I would listen to New Workout Plan. I would listen to Overnight Celebrity. I had all the albums. I remember where I was and what I was doing the first time I heard Stronger. I was a Kanye wow. stan. I've seen him in concert no fewer than four times and i've said the words there is no amount of money and there's that that is not worth going to see a kanye show because kanye is always that good and i was really sad in 2016 when he died it was just it was really (laughs) sad for me it was hard that he just died in that horrible plane crash and as a consequence, <laughs> I never was going to be able to hear from him again uh, musically or see what he can do or hear his thoughts on anything. And so as a consequence, there's this like weird ghost of him that wears a red hat that talks a lot. And, you know, that apparition seems to think that you can run for president simply by saying you can run for president, not that you have to, like, pay the $10,000 and register with the Federal Election Commission and then get your name on every ballot in every state, which the deadline for which was February 28th. So, like... If that, you know, ashen, depressed, big-lipped ghost mm. uh, thinks that it, he can, you know, be, uh, run for president, then good on it. But, um, you know, the Kanye that I knew and loved um, is buried at Forest Lawn and, you know, in a gold casket with a, with a, a Louis Vuitton backpack in the coffin. And, and that's that. Mm. Oh. And, I, and I should say, you know, I should read the tweet. Um, we must now realize this is a tweet where he announced his president you know, run for presidency. We must now realize the promise of America by trusting God, unifying our vision and building our future. I am running for president of the United States. Hashtag twenty twenty vision. <laughs> um, what do you think, Mr. Evro? You think it's gonna happen? You know, I think I think the thing I mean, is there's, he, there's literally logistics that Cameron talked about. That's yes. like no, it's not happening. <laughs> But no, I just think that girl is bored. This is why. I think she can't get on her flights to Europe to go see Miss Ricardo Tishi to get digged down like she normally does. And I feel like because she now can't, we've said it. She can't get, she <laughs> can't get the dick. It. She can't get her normal dick. Like I feel like that's fucking her up. Like so she needs some attention. She needs she needs to, you know, rile the girls up. I think that's part of what it is, girl. So she needs to just go ahead and book her private flight to Europe and get her <laughs> authorization to land girl and and get digged down. That's I guess all it is. Like, well, I wish when she goes, she would get back some of the money that she took from uh, the Paycheck Protection Program. Uh, Miss Kanye, along with Soho House, uh, which for those of y'all you know 
now I feel super <laughs> bogus. But anyway, Soul House is a membership club um, that My is in LA, place New York. In Los Angeles. Oh, see, I wasn't even going to say that. I wasn't going to say that. But um, yes, I, it is a really cute place, the downtown one. You've There's the one in Malibu. At Soho House with okay, me. we don't have to fill oh, up this. No, girls. <laughs> <laughs> no, the New York Soho house, though. The brunch at the New York Soho house slays all the rest. You it's really amazing. haven't lived until you've been in the downtown LA warehouse garden and they've got, like, a mariachi choir singing Aaliyah's <laughs> oh, covers. Lord, like, God. and you're getting, like, your fifth Aperol Spritz from the Aperol Spritz station. And I'm just <laughs> like, I I don't know a better place. I don't know a better person. So then, I don't, it's great. You should be happy that they got nine million dollars um, <laughs> from the, the staff for the wonderful. Paycheck Protection Program, uh, along with Kanye. Kanye was able to get a two million, um, receive two million. I think two to five million. Um, and remember, this is um, a program that's supposed to be more for small businesses. But you know, find that loophole. Um, well, quiet as it's kept. I mean, if you are like, there are a lot of people who are like screenwriters who make their money through loan out corporations. And we were people, accountants were telling us take a paycheck protection loan because it, and I'm like, and you're like, why? And it's like, well, you can pay yourself like four months of salary based on what you had paid yourself last year. And so you can, and you don't have to pay it back. And I was like, oh, that mm. seems like a scam. <laughs> but I, I, so I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I didn't do it. But it is, uh, there are a lot of people who were like not saving anybody's jobs who were just like, mm. I just, I'd like 30 grand. Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I talked to a girl that we all, well, at least me and Miss Malachi know that who, who did something like that. But I don't, I think it's actually legit because I feel like so many girls did it. They can't get all of them, right? <laughs> right. I mean, they can't get all of them. But the beautiful the- thing about being black is that they will find a way to get you. So mm. I don't really want to be involved in, in, in such tomfoolery. Um, yeah, girls. I just think like, um, yeah, I yeah I know a lot of girls who went. So hopefully the feds don't come after those girls because <laughs> who got 13,000, 15,000, 10,000, you know. Do you, I was know scared. Lot, do you know a lot of girls who? I was scared of that type of tea, though. I didn't, you know, I was scared So did you not, you not apply for it? I mean, I, <laughs> well, I applied, I, no, I applied for a legit program. <laughs> No, not. I was just asking. Well, girl, girl, no, I did, I did, but they didn't give me that type of coin. They didn't give me, and I'm, I'm glad they only gave me like, you know, a a lot less than that. Yeah, a lot less than that. Let's just say that much. I love how she's just completely avoided using any numbers. But earlier she said thirteen to fourteen thousand. So if I had to guess. The direct deposit was probably thirteen to fourteen thousand, but go off, oh. sis. Not mm-hmm. for me, girl. Not for me. It wasn't anywhere close to that, girl. Oh. But you, know, I have a legit business. We all girls like I like legit. <laughs> I have like as I do I. Like, as I have do two I. girls like who work under me, like mm-hmm. you know, periodically, like yeah. Periodically. <laughs> look, look how we went to periodically. Yeah, yeah, girl. Yeah, and, I mean it's anyway. And other news. <laughs> Happy Fourth of July. Uh, Girls, uh, Miss Devereaux, how you feel about this Fourth of July weekend? How how did the girls act? How do you how you feeling? Oh, girl, I saw the girls were out on Fire Island. The COVID <laughs> girls were out there. Miss Corey Hannon, she put up some Facebook and some Instagram posts oh, talking about she was on day eight of um, Corona Girl. And she went out and on the beach with the girls in Fire Island, a New York City girl. So I don't know, you know, we'll have to see what kind of super spreader event that turned out to be, girl, because. I saw a couple of videos from Fire Island and Atlanta. The black girls were acting out too in Atlanta, Can I just girl. Ask a simple, straightforward question. 
Yeah. I understand the desire to go out and socialize, but why the fuck would you put that shit on Instagram in these days? Because they don't realize, because they're just like, all their friends, all their friends are there. Who's going to tell them not to do it? Like, they don't Someone is going to drag you. Like someone is gonna get you but, together. But look Someone's at, but you. you know, for the, you know, we didn't. I feel like we didn't talk about it enough. But those crowds, like in those those videos for like Fire Island, that's like there are hundreds of people in in those crowds. So why would you think it was anything wrong with that? I think all those pictures that came out for the giant, there were large groups of people. So I mean, if everyone's doing it, girl, put it on the gram. I was not in a large group of people at any time. We were not. We were not. We definitely good for y'all, girls. Good for y'all. <laughs> I, I was I was at home, bitches. I was at home, girl. I love that journey for you. That's With so my great. PPP money, spent you know, ordered <laughs> spending stuff. the government's money <laughs> on Amazon. Ordered stuff Prime. online. No, I for <laughs> real vitamins and I... supplements. <laughs> no, I legit, lo- I legit lost business because of COVID. I legit lost like a lot of business because of COVID. I believe so I'm a. I should have really. I should have been a, one of those two million dollar girls like Soho House. I should have been that type of girl. But anyway. You know, I was at home, but also, so the Atlanta girls, though, there was some, there was a video from this uh, club called Compound in Atlanta. It was all black, mm. like all black girls. And they were fighting in the club. Nobody had, a, nobody had a mask. Like they were like stacked like sardines, bitch. And it was some kind of pool party in Atlanta, girls. So it wasn't just white girls showing out. It was black girls showing out too. And I, but I if, was I mean, if you haven't gotten into a bar fight in a gay club in Atlanta, are you even alive? Like, are you even black? <laughs> but like, here's the do? deal. This is not our <laughs> fucking holiday. This wasn't our holiday, girls. Like, I celebrated my independence, like, what, 19 days ago. So this, the girls were out celebrating, like, like I we thought were we were done with then. 4th of July. We were not free then. Yeah. <laughs> so I was disappointed in those black girls. I was like, okay, this, for the white queens, I understand. For us, like, we should have been, you know, kicking like you all girl, like you girls were in small groups or at home like me. Like, that's what it was about. Like, mm-hmm. we, we weren't supposed to be partying out on the or 4th at of July. Home like me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, exactly. So what's our last story for good news? So I think this is a bad, bad news story. I mean, well, yes. Well, girl, we actually it's affecting all of us. (laughs) Yeah, we officially passed three million diagnosed cases. Okay, in the United States, although I think the real number is like 10 times that there's so many undiagnosed cases. Like I know so many people in Detroit who had Corona who never were diagnosed because you couldn't get the test back in March. But but now you can. And so um, but yeah, there's actually uh, like multiple states over the last week, Texas, Florida, etc. have gone over 10,000 cases in a day. So they're on like some New York in March and April type of tea. Like, wow. Yeah, girl, I see admission is up 90% in Miami-Dade County. 60 hospitals in Florida basically have reached their ICU capacity and counting. Um, and actually, Miss DJT, oddly enough, is going to be in Florida tomorrow. So she's going to do, she's going to go and do some kind of drug force event, drug task force event. And then she's going to go to an in-person fundraiser in Miami-Dade County, which Ooh. is actually the epicenter of like the national coronavirus outbreak right now. So I know you've been rooting for her to get it. She, she's, yes, mean, she's, I not have, she's not and hiding. And it's, it's gotten close to her, her daughter-in-law or her soon-to-be daughter-in-law. Right, right. Yeah, girl. And so, um, no, on top of that, though, you know, the Brazilian president, Jair uh, Bolsonaro, Bolsonaro, he is a corona denier. He, Yeah, he, he ended up with the COVID girl. So, you know, I, uh, who's next? Who's next? Okay. I mean, Keisha okay. versus Top got it in Atlanta. <laughs> yeah, bro. And so, yeah. Atlanta mayor Keisha But she Lance has no Bottoms. symptoms. Thank God. She has no symptoms. So hopefully she just... Keisha, the trade is verse. Lance Bottoms, the trade is verse. 
Um, Hope, hopefully she stays asymptomatic, though, girl. I'm rooting for Mayor, Mayor Keisha. That's my girl. You know? Absolutely. I want her to have a victory. Um, uh, who knows what the supposed, what white people's president is doing. Um, but, well, he's pulling out of the World Health Organization. Like, yes. like that's just so crazy. These are just like, very, I don't get the... I understood. I felt like I understood the last Trump like election. Like I got okay. So like this is what he said. He has a clear narrative of like what he's saying to these white people, which is that like you, I'm mad and 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 I'm, I'm mad like you are and fuck Hillary Clinton. And so like that that sort of and like there was a clear and I'm a business person and I'm wealthy and even though those mm-hmm. things weren't necessarily true, the the business case was the case for why this person wanted to be believe that they could be president made a lot of sense and was like a compelling story for a certain mm-hmm. kind of white. And I look at what is happening now, and I'm like, okay, so you're pulling out of the World Health Organization, you're pretending like people aren't dying, and rather than just, I don't understand what the opportunity cost of saying, hey, this is really serious and we need to solve it would be, as opposed to, but hey, I, it's supposed to it's nothing acknowledging is failure. It's well, it's acknowledging failure because she could have stopped it. Mm-hmm. When it, you know, at the beginning, like we could have locked down, we could have had way fewer cases. We could have been like Europe, where we are we reopen legitimately right now with, with and flatten the curve, right? And we never really flattened the curve in this country. That was a total failure on the part of the federal authorities. It's so. just a weird. It's just it just it doesn't really. But I think I, it some doesn't of this make sense also, to me. Some of this, I think, also that they don't believe it. They don't believe it's a serious threat. Because it's literally like, people aren't dropping dead in the middle of the street. And most of the people who are affected are not the people who look like them. So I think there's some of it that thinks that it is still overreaction. That maybe it is just a colder flu. And maybe a bad one at that. But that they're okay with, you know, they, they're okay with letting some people die so that they can keep the economy going. And that's a real that's a real team some of those girls think it's it is a conspiracy to to make sure donald trump doesn't get reelected. like some of those girls legit feel that way so a lot of I people see are dead like just like a lot of people are dead i don't know a lot of people have lung not damage. a lot of not a lot of white people i don't think it's a lot of white people, people are dead and i, I mean know. look it's and it's come to the, the truth has come to arizona <clears throat> and texas and florida so it's coming now Woo. You know, and it's weird. One one thing the media did do as a disservice, though, it it felt like, okay, representation, that's great. Like, they were talking about how it was affecting the Black community and then the Hispanic community. But literally, like, in Michigan, still half of those deaths were still white people, right? So, like, even though we were overrepresented as Black people in the deaths in a number of states, same with Hispanics, right? In a lot of states, uh, Michigan, for instance, half the deaths were still white people. So white people, it really downplayed it. The media, the local media was like, ma- basically making the case to white people, oh, this is the problem of the other. It's not This is problem. It's sickle cell 2.0. Mm-hmm. But a lot of white people died. Like l- one of the girls I know who got COVID and it was all in her workspace, the, f- he, her, the first person who, the only person who died in her office was this middle-aged white man. He was one of the first people in Michigan to die from COVID. Mm-hmm. So... You know, I, I, I know I've actually read a number of stories of like white people dying from COVID. So I they just they don't but they don't see that uh, portrayed as much in our mm-hmm. local media. It's just always mm-hmm. black people, black people, black people, Detroit, yeah. Detroit, Detroit, you know, so. Well, they going to learn because we got it for another six to nine months. So yeah, gonna learn until, until whenever that vaccine comes out. Um, so y'all stay safe out there. Um, but we're going to kind of switch gears a bit because we have an, um, our amazing guest. Um, so we got our segment. I don't have a name for it. <laughs> we're going to uh, call it special guest. Big, uh, big dick energy. Big, big energy. 
like our guests give that type of tea. Is that like, what we gonna expect to every guest? Let me go get a wig. <laughs> let me just go get one of my wigs uh, just to like let that shit get, cascade, honey. Yes. We could get we could do basic <laughs> energy type pussy energy. We can switch it up okay. based on you know based on who it is. Based on who it is. Exactly. Who it is. Love it. Love it. Love it. Um, so I think we've already kind of talked about um, you know how. Well, some in some ways recently, how you've been dealing with the the Rona, but in general, how has it affected you? How's quarantine been? Obviously, you felt like it's it's been hard. I think it's hard, especially on like some girls who, for me, I feel like I'm probably more on the introvert side, of the, and it's definitely been driving oh, you me think? crazy. But think you're I feel like anyone anyone who's a bit more used to you know being I, extroverted or just used to being very social, it's rough time. So how are you doing, girl? I think the perfect example of like the perfect way to sort of encapsulate what this experience has been like is to look at what Pride Month was. So in a typical Pride Month for the past couple of years, I would be at four to five parties a week. Mm. Um, like it would be, it'd be like a weekday, some, like I would go to the mayor's pride party and then at the Waddles Mansion and then I would go to my friend such and such's party and then some little social club would have a party and then someone else would be like, hey, can you make sure there are black people here? And I would have to come with like 10 niggas deep to make sure that there were black people at the <laughs> random Beverly Hills private social club party and then there were my actual friends. Then there's like the day of pride, which I would always post this joke of every single like I, there was like a different activity every hour and it was like for re- pretending to remember people's names uh you know binge drinking uh further binge drinking being petty like that all of that all of that making fun of people's outfits and so it was and we did none of that like mm-hmm. literally i did like i did none of those things and so it's been challenging for me and that i am a very social person i love to go out i love to host a party i love to have people over and you can't really do that safely Mm. Um, and it is, it has required me to employ all of my, every technique I used when I was unemployed, when I was in my early twenties, then I I've used here because it, it, in terms of, because I, I need structure. I need to apply structure to my days. So I have to force myself to, okay, so I'm going to get up and I'm not going to watch TV during the day. And then I'm going to go up into my little, I turned my upstairs bedroom into an office and that's the only place where I could focus. And What's been challenging about it is that professionally, I've had a lot to get done. I've had a lot due. And so there are like three different projects that I'm working on and and there have been deadlines for every single one. And I've initially it was really hard for me to write because it was like I'm just laying on my couch sweating, being annoyed, and I can't really be funny and I can't really think of what I I can't really break this story. But Mm. I'm really happy with what I did come up with. And once I had a system, once I now that I have a system going, it's been much better. So, yeah. That's been oh, it's, it's hard, but it's fair. We're doing all right. Mm, so, so tell us, so tell us about some of the projects you're working on. Like who and and what? Tell us about your background too. Like who are you, girl? Where'd you come from? Like who are you? Where, where did you, you come from? <laughs> well, Gabrielle Union and the fi- and Beyonce's finest lace front wig had a child, and that child was me. I love it. Um, uh, no, I mean I'm I grew up in the Bay Area. I'm from Oakland, and I uh, went to USC to be a under the lying to my parents, telling them that I would be I was going to be an attorney. My dad is a lawyer, and he was like, "You're gonna be a lawyer just like me." And I was like, "Of course you are. You're gonna pay for this tuition, right?" And he was like, "Of course I am." And then I just secretly pursued like I literally like actually like kind of secretly I got a degree in political science, but I also minored in screenwriting, and so. Uh, at the end of my college career, I was like, surprise, motherfucker, I'm actually going to be a television writer. 
At which point he laughed in my face and then canceled all of my... Basically just like I was as financially dependent on a, on this man as I as one can be on a person. And so we had a fight one day and the next day my credit cards were canceled. My gas card was canceled. Ooh, my health insurance was canceled. Right. My car insurance was canceled. And I lived in an apartment in a very fancy loft in downtown LA that is still to this day was until I moved into my current home the most expensive place I'd ever lived. So it was the I've like or that or that I've ever had to the, the the highest rent I'd ever had to pay. So with that said, it was real, real. It was real difficult. It was not. Mm. I was. She was not. She was not equipped to like deal with those things. I had to learn how to like grocery shop and clean and do you know all of the sorts of stuff that people learn to do and when and they, as they learn to adult quickly, mm. and it worked out. I started working as a tutor because I needed to. I mean, I honestly couldn't. There's nothing more humbling than be told than being told you are too, you are overqualified for Starbucks when you really need that job at Starbucks. Ooh. Like it's like I understand that like you think I don't know you, you think I don't I'm not serious about this job, but I will, I'm more than happy to make this macchiato for you if I could <laughs> but just when get that, when that rent is due on Monday. Woo, if I could just get that A25, if I could get that A25, if I could get that maybe that health insurance, like that would be wonderful. And they and that and that so that was a challenging time. I started working as an SAT tutor. Uh, I did SAT, ACT, and private college counseling, and I did that for a big company at first, and then I did that for myself. In 2013, I quit. I wanted... These white people were hilarious. I was the highest-ranked tutor in their company, and I generated all of my own business. And I went to my bosses, and I said, hey, what I want is I want a $5 raise and health insurance. And they said... No, I'm sorry, we can't do it. And mind mm. you, there were pe- there were white tutors at a company who were making twice what I did, but mm. they didn't, and they were siphoning off. People would call in, I learned later, and say, ask for, hey, can I work with Cameron? And they would say, oh, Cameron's not available, but I can send you over to such and such. And so mm. I quit, and I started my own business, and I did yes. that for... I basically, I, I got white kids into college, and we did SAT and ACT and private college counseling for the next five years and did the, fed, did the feds get you girl they didn't get you girl did they what were the you know, feds got me for i paid my in taxes LA, all that lat girl all that lat with the uh you know the college oh, admissions here's team. the thing here's the thing this is what i always said it's kind of like like when you're when you're doing like test prep felonies like you don't want to put it all the way in you just want to give them the tip you just want to like tease it a little bit and like make them really beg for it but then not give it to them so the thing is i didn't I can do all of the things that Singer did up to the point of fraud. I know how to get your kid extended time. I know how to get your, even if they don't need it. I know how to pimp the system. To, I know how to teach strategy so that you can do that, so they can accomplish what they need to accomplish within the time constraints. I know how to teach them to do well on an exam. Um, my average increase was, you know, I think it was three or 400 points on the SAT and five to 10 on the ACT. And so I was good at my job, but it was like, but at a certain point I realized that if I needed, if I was going to spend the rest of my life getting other, helping other people's dreams come true, then I was going to lose my fucking mind. And Mm. so I started, I had wanted to be a writer, but I had never really, I didn't really have a voice. There was like a thing that I, there were things that I wanted to write, but I always took my own experiences and just hid them in other people's. So I was like, Mm -hmm. I'm going to make up a character that is nothing like me and maybe I have something in common with and that'll be that. And so what I did instead is I was just like, what if I just write about me? And so Mm -hmm. the first thing I ever wrote that was from my own experience is a blog post called Is OkCupid for White People? 
<laughs> and I had gone on like a some friends of mine had encouraged me to go on OK Cupid because they had like found their husbands on it. I did it for a I did it for what, a year. What color? What was the race of your these friends who have found their husbands? The on race it? was female. Um, was the race, and some of them were not, and some of them were, some of them were nobody. I, nobody black told me they found a man on on their on, on OK Cupid, but I was just trying to be uh, open, and so I did it. And I did it for about a year, and I got, I think, I think they went on three dates, two dates, something like that, over the course of a twelve month period. You know, mm-hmm. my response rate was like five percent, something like that. Um, mind you, I am. I'm better looking than I was then. I've gotten the styling together, but it was still, uh, you know, I was not, I was not succeeding. And I, one day I was, I had just a, the Lord spoke to me and he said, Cameron, I bet money. This is because you're black. So I went and (laughs) I went and borrowed a white man's photos. I asked a straight friend of mine who didn't live in LA if I could do that. And I made an identical profile to my own and I put it on the internet. I didn't send a single message. I didn't follow anyone. I got 300 times the responses in one week that I had as myself in a year. And this is without doing anything other than like signing up for the profile, answering questions, and letting it chill. Mm. And the gag of it all was that there are there were so many people who, several of whom I had like conversed with. There was this one black guy who, when it was just me, he was like, oh, check out my YouTube channel. We're not a match, though. Uh, and when it was the fake, when, when it was the fake profile, he had read through it and he had read every single word and he was like, oh my God, a white guy who likes Prince and Beyonce, like, would you please marry me? Oh my God, please, 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 please wife me up and, uh, dick me down with that vanilla. And that was what he was really, but it wasn't, and so, but, but I, and so that was, that went kind of viral. And then from there I made a web series called, uh, using the money that I'd made doing test prep called Try This Instead, which is about mm. sort of how to not piss off your black friends, uh, sort of thing, basic things, don't shoot us, don't touch my hair, just, you know, the basics. And then I, and that got me my first staff job on a show called, Zo- that combined with a, a pilot I'd written called Side Pieces, which is about being um, a side hoe. Uh, I know nothing about that. I don't know what you're talking about. And well, I know uh, I know everything about it, girl. So I'll you know <laughs> if you if you need any any inspiration for anything in the future, just let me know. Well, I am I, I you know the Lord has saved me. Um, my my heart has been changed. I don't do that anymore. But when you're I on do, the right show, girl. You're on the, on the right, right show. show. <laughs> uh, you know it's beautiful. Um, other people's husbands are no longer or boyfriends are no longer enticing to me. Mm-hmm. But I, that wasn't the case in 2012 uh, or 2013. No. Or 2014, or 2015, (laughs) or 2016. (laughs) So I wrote that. And so those pieces got me my first job on a show called Zoe Ever After, which was um, on BT, starred Brandy. It was lovely. It didn't go on a very, the the run was very short. It was a small room. And then I sort of, and from there, from that moment forward, I've basically been aggressively pursuing staffing and development um since then so i sold a show in 2017 and then resold it again last year it's still alive to uh it's now at peacock it's called white people problems it's about a wealthy dysfunctional black family not mine but close uh (laughs) and then there's and then you know i sold a show called diversity hire to fox last year um that was a that continues to be about a black girl who is um 
a whose boss accidentally donates to the clan and then she's in but she's an engineer and they go downstairs and they're like you 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 engineer you come be our diversity executive now and sort of it's it's intention was to be a sort of a, an indictment of diversity culture and mm. how appearance in diversity culture is so much more important than actually doing the work of like just hiring black people and giving them opportunities and jobs and then there i sold a movie last year uh it's a sci-fi thriller about a black border agent that i wrote with one of my favorite straight people uh and we're in the process of doing that and then i was on a show that nobody's heard of called empire uh for two seasons for seasons five and six and that was a wonderful really sort of educational and satisfying experience and so yeah that's that's how we got here i love and that. you know the girls are going to want to know if you were friends with jesse girl the girls are going to want to know if i was friends with jesse smollett the girls yeah. can rest assured that yes i i do love and adore jesse smollett and i think he's okay. a lovely man so there you go okay excellent excellent um so there's a couple there that pieces things that we could pick up on like one i think is just the empire tea like you know you wrote that amazing episode where miss jesse smollett um you know kind of revealed that you know or we found out that she was in a relationship with someone who was hiv positive um so just talking about those experiences are helping having to bring a bit of that you know true black queer experience to the show in that way um so yeah curious about that from like that side of the experience. Well, what was, was interesting it? about that that particular space is that I wasn't the only black gay person in that room. Mm-hmm. There was another upper level writer who had been on the show That's since great. season one, and there Not was the only right, and there was another person, uh, and of course there was Lee, who had been very much a part of the show. And Jesse is also a black queer person, so Jesse came to the room with the idea, and he was like, because there was oh, another wow. thing that people wanted to do, and he was like, what I think we should do is, I want. I want to tell a story about one guy having HIV and one guy not having HIV. And initially I was actually rather against it, but once I, I, and for me, I think it was, it's a story that is told a lot around black queerness. Yeah. I just, and like, are we saying that, and what are we saying about, and, and I think that, you know, HIV stigma is a thing that like exists in all of us. And so as I unpack my own HIV stigma and discomfort with telling that story, it was, are we going to, the story of what HIV looks like in this country isn't a wealthy musician. Like, if any one of us got HIV tomorrow, we would ride on down, I'd ride on down to Pacific Oaks Medical Clinic in Beverly Hills, where my all-gay doctor staff would get me all the medication that I need, that my union health insurance would cover, and I'd be undetectable Mm -hmm. within two weeks. And my life might be slightly shortened, and my life, and I might be annoyed by having to take those AR antiretroviral medication. But people with privilege are not what HIV looks like now. People with mm-hmm. privilege, like HIV, looks like you go to the city of Atlanta, where a third of the cases of HIV that come in are full-blown AIDS because people don't have access to prep and people aren't getting tested. You mm-hmm. see that all throughout the South and in you know underserved, uh, economically disadvantaged uh, communities of people of color. In fact, mm-hmm. the likelihood that most black gay men, that, that a black gay man will get HIV is one in two. One in so two. you have to be, so there's a, so I was concerned about that. And I was also, but also just like, I was like, do we want to do that? Isn't there just another story we can tell? I just don't want it. I just don't want it. It was my own HIV stigma. And I was <laughs> like, look, put that shit down. And you have a unique opportunity to be really additive here. Because there are a bunch of people who, like, you know, the these people don't know what PrEP is. These people don't understand that one of the conversations that I felt like that we had when we were putting those episodes together was 
they were talking about how, you know, they were like, why would Jamal be uncomfortable with uh, Cookie asking him like about about his boyfriend Kai's status, HIV status. And I was like, the thing I think you guys are missing here is that <laughs> I was like, the thing, the thing is, is that that's basically you asking me about my sex life. Like, that is your mom asking you, so who's getting fucked, and who's the top, who's the bottom, and are you using protection, and blah, 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 and, like, I don't know that they have that kind of, and they didn't, that, that's a a really serious conversation, like, uncomfortable conversation to broach with a parent. So, there was that, and then there was helping everyone understand how prep worked, and how you can protect yourself, and I wrote a little a document that sort of explained all of the terms we were going to use. So like, this is what serodiscordant means. These are the medications that you take. This is that, this is this, this is that. And so, and I'm really, really, really proud, even though I was hesitant at first, the episode that I wrote, I'm really, really proud of what we were able to put together. The episode that I wrote is Jamal and Kai falling in love. And then I assisted quite a bit with the episode written by my friends, uh, Janika and Jashika James and Jamie Rosengard, which is the episode in which he has those conversations with Cookie. And, Mm. What we loved, what we loved about it, and what we wanted to do about it, was we wanted to explore, um, auntie, basically auntie attitudes about HIV, and how a lot of these women aren't truly homophobic anymore, but they still have memories of Big Luther and their friend who died and their hairdresser mm. and etc. And they're really scared for you, but they don't understand what they're talking about in the modern mm. era and what it would mean to and how easy it is to pre- how how a person with the right privilege can prevent hiv and so yeah. that was great and then empire is also just sort of a so that i mean that the, the, that's the gay shit i mean that's, that's yeah. what we did in the gay shit i wrote jesse's last episode um episode 517 um, uh, which was the which was the last episode he 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 was in the he did the wedding and then we wrote him out of seventeen and that was crazy uh, because uh-huh. but it was lots of but you know we we survived we yeah survived. you did so tell me because you told me you told me a little story about the episode uh, where you guys talk about prep and you talk about you know that had some influence around the world so can you just tell the girls a story about, of course you know, so yeah. Empire is. Oddly, I mean, Empire sort of was relevant, very, very relevant for like 2015, 2016 in the US, but it retains like a pretty significant international audience. And so one of the guys who's on the show was talking to someone who I guess works at a clinic in I believe it's Nigeria. And people were coming in and asking for suddenly there was this huge upswing in people coming in asking for prep. So they're like, wow. I want prep, I want prep, I want prep. And the lab was like the 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 clinic was like why are you like, who who told you what prep is like where why where are we getting <laughs> who you heard this from <laughs> who, who did you hear this from and and they were said it it was from empire wow. um they wow. had because we made it a story point we made it a story point in the in five oh four we made it a story point in five oh five because we really wanted people to understand that like you can you can prevent yourself from getting HIV uh, by taking these little blue pills every morning. And actually, the other person it inspired to get on prep is named Cameron Johnson. What? Because I was like, I've been bullshitting here, and like I was, I was a, I had, I had been practicing safe sex, or as safe sex as one can possibly practice. Yeah. But there came a point when I was like, okay, so all these other people are doing this and saying that they're protected. So why don't I just do this for myself? Mm. And, you know, it 
in the in the in the and and it the process of educating the room or like helping the room understand like the the writer's room is what I mean, and helping the room understand like those gay issues and issues surrounding yeah. HIV. I ended up educating myself. So hey, oh come on, saving lives out here. I love that. That's what we're doing. Oh, love yeah. to save Amen. A life. Amen. <laughs> no, you but know, I mean that really is amazing. I'm oh, sorry, Mr. Rock. Yeah. So actually, I had. Uh, so one of the things that you know, you did a speech the other day, or actually a few months ago, right? Where last uh, year. I think it was called. Mm-hmm. La- that, oh, that was in 2019. Okay. 2019. Pre Roma T. Yeah. It was posted. It was just posted this year, though, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. They hold it, hold it for a while. I wasn't, I, was, I wasn't not mad. Yeah. So it was called Melanin Meetups. That's a cute little. They have a cute YouTube page, too. But um, one of the things that you said in the speech, you were talking about two black men loving each other on screen, and that love in fiction is a humanizing force. And so that really resonated with me. But um, what do you think we go from here in terms of that kind of representation, like two black men on screen? Because that was really, I mean, that was an important piece of, of you know, that season of Empire. And it's well, time to ha- have this conversation right after the Noah's Ark reunion happened this past week. Exactly. Absolutely. Exactly. I think that what before we even talk about what that means, I think we need to talk about why it means. So when you look at black people, black gay men on TV, so I watched as much gay TV as I could like sneak into the downstairs of our house and watch yeah. and, and watch but with the volume real, real low. Like mm-hmm. they can't, they can't hear check it. On that they stair- can't hear stairway. it. Check in. Just check on the stairway. There were two doors. I would close the top one so I could hear and then leave the lower <laughs> one open. We were ready. We were ready. So with that said, I, the thing about those experiences is that when you would see black gay men on TV, they were accessories. And so it was either, oh, he's got a really big dick and he's going to fuck the shit out of you. Or like, oh my God, he's with a black guy. Or it's Tay Diggs and he's got a tight sweater. Or it's Keith on Six Feet Under. And mm-hmm. his blackness is almost something that he fights against and that he's, and he's a part of this. Police and he's, officer. <laughs> he's a police officer and he's in a white, and he's in, and he's a, and he's with a white man who he, beats up occasionally so i i mean there are many layers to the portrayal of keith and the portrayal of many black gay men on tv but what i think happens and what what i know happens that you get into writers rooms with white people who are very 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 well-meaning and they want to diversify their shows and they think okay cool so like let's give this white person a black partner as if because to them having a black partner is like a creative exercise it's like oh god well it means it's like having a kicky haircut or like you know like a cane like it's a character choice and it makes you interesting in some way but it never really ever tells the story of that black person. Mm. I don't remember the exact statistic that I quoted, but it's something like 70 to 80% of black people, period, full stop, only ha- have black partners. Like whether that is they marry black people, they date only black people, something, an even higher percentage of gay black men only date or have sex with other gay black men. So what putting two black gay men on TV in love with each other does is it shows people who are watching. We just talked about the educational force of television earlier and how like people can learn from the shit. It forces you to reckon not with that person as an object, but as a human being who has emotions just like you do. Mm-hmm. I think in, M- Moonlight is a great example of that in that you have this, you watch this sort of nerdy kid turn into a nigga, like a, like a drug dealing, gold tooth wearing, Chevy Impala driving ass nigga who sells drugs and is in love with this dude and has been since he was a little kid. I had never seen a gay man like that before. And it forces you to remember that those people are human. 
that those people fall in love, that those people experience pain. And maybe that might make it a little more difficult for you to call the cops on them. And maybe it might make it a little more difficult for you to shoot them in the parking lot. And maybe it might make it for having the music too loud. I think it, it, it for white people, it demonstrates, it, it shows a different side of our humanity. And for us, it allows us to be people absent the, the gaze of whiteness mm-hmm. or defining ourselves through that. So in terms of where we go from here, I think that there are a lot of white people, a lot of showrunners, a lot of black people as well, who are like trying to get TV on the air. And the choice that you can make is not to make your black characters accessories, but like to rather to make your black characters fully realized human beings who are perhaps in love with people who look like them. Because the other incredibly dangerous narrative that I think a lot of us engage in, especially in Hollywood is that interracial relationships are somehow somehow a mark of progress mm-hmm. and they're not it mm-hmm. just means you found a white man's ass to eat or he did some squats <laughs> or you you know y'all he y'all were vibing over the carly ray jepson album and you were like do you also do enjoy missy elliott and he was like yes i do enjoy missy elliott and you've decided you can put up with eating unseasoned chicken breast for the rest of your life you've decided you can do that but it's not progress girl, those sound like really personal examples girl i don't know the sound like i don't know <laughs> i don't know i don't know what you're talking about i don't know I don't what know. you're talking about when you said that carly ray jepson i know you're a stan so that, <laughs> that's how... i want to cut to the feeling my god uh but i love i love me some carly but with that said i'm and i i stay and being one of four black people at a carly ray jepson concert and i don't care (laughs) well well, with that said um that's my point is that that's not progress that's just a relationship choice and so by reframing love for black people around just black people are loving each other and like we are forced to watch and identify with that love and experience that love with them, I think is incredibly powerful. So mm-hmm. I hope our, our, our artists continue to do that. I know I'm going to. And Noah's Ark, you got, did you girls watch Noah's Ark yet? I the, did the watch the show? Noah's Ark mm-hmm. reunion. Oh, so do you think they'll, you think it'll get picked up or what do you think? I don't know. I mean, uh, I don't know what the... I, I don't know. I don't know if that's Patrick's goal. Patrick is a friend of mine, so I don't know where... He's Patrick Ian Polk, the creator of Noah's Ark, the godfather of the first person to put a cast of black gay men on TV. Uh, but I don't know where that would go or, like, what more story there is to tell right now. Mm-hmm. But I know that he... But I know that he did that. He did that. What he did was yeah, that. He did. It was amazing. And there you yeah. go. I mean, but I think there's something there about that because we're in this moment and you're talking about, you know, the educational power of Hollywood because, you know, recently there was a letter from, you know, the writers, the Black Committee and the Writers Guild kind of to Hollywood saying, okay, all you studios and networks, you've all come out to say that Black Lives Matter, that you care about us and you care about our employees and all this and third, then hire us, then start changing, then actually start putting your money where your mouth, you know, actually really make real systemic change. So one piece is like thinking about that, like what do you think about that? And just in general, there's been these more conversation, I think, as of late about black writers in Hollywood not being able to move up or not getting promoted or just, you know, being in that room to maybe help write that, you know, interracial romance story, but then that's it. Um, so just curious in general what you see about like black Hollywood and where it might go from here, because that's kind of how those stories get told. It's like they can't tell those stories without us because it's such a unique experience. Well, you can always tell. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Whenever I've read a script, there have been a couple. There's one movie I was called in to rewrite. I, I, I was interviewing to rewrite, and I read it, and it was very much. 
I don't want to go into too many details, but basically, like, <laughs> I don't want like, to send me an email later. <laughs> I don't want to get any texts or tweets or whatever. But basically, like, it was a it was a story that needed to be incredibly black. It was about like some black culture shit. It was about some stuff that like if you don't have it, you can't you don't really understand it. And it was a white director and a, a, a South Asian woman who had decided to write this really, really black sh- thing. And you mm. could read it through and you look at the... Jo- and it's like, it wasn't that it was bad. It wasn't that any of it was, like, offensive. It was just, oh, well, if your audience is black people, that's not what this is. Mm. Like, that's not this experience. And so you you actually don't know what you're talking about. Mm. And so like, it was a lot of that. It's so subtle. Like, it's so subtle the ways in which our culture works that, like... Even just I mean, the the conversation, the way me and Miss Deborah talk, there's times when I get messages where it's like, I it took me a minute to understand what you all were saying from the context, and that's just mm-hmm. that's black queer, like that's a whole nother layer, like just beyond what Levels. black culture and black people. Mm-hmm. Um, so Hollywood really can't tell those stories, or you know, how do you really make those change without involving you know having more people in the room to help make that happen? Yeah, and I mean, in terms of like you know getting jobs and promotion, there's sort of a an, a hierarchy to writers' rooms that that writing that goes in levels. So there's like staff writer, which is the lowest level. There's story editor, then there's co-producer and producer, and supervising producer and executive producer. So mm-hmm. just simplify that down. And as you go and you go up those ranks, as you go up those ranks, there are significant pay increases, like your salary. And there's also um, there are also significant. Uh, experiential increases in terms of like what people are willing to allow you to do and how people trust you so what you see happen to a lot of people of color is that they get stuck at the lower levels they get stuck Mm. at staff writer they get stuck at story editor or something like that because a lot of them actually don't even make it out of staff writer or they have to repeat staff writer over and over and over Mm. again because they just don't get promoted either because that's there was a diversity program that they got in through and the diversity programs pay for them for a year and then and then let them go or there's a or they pay for them for a year and then when the show has to pay for them for real it they don't want to do it anymore or Mm. they just aren't able to vibe in the room um the job of being in a writer's room and the job of being a writer are completely different tasks that have very little to do with each other and so you and there's no like clear training for that and a lot of black people come to this business later in life we come older we come slightly more established and you i've been fortunate that i've been almost entirely my career in staffing has been on black shows so mm-hmm. BT is my first was my first show, job and Empire was my second job and we literally were ordering Jamaican food and eating chicken <laughs> and listening to Too Short in the room like come on oxtail <laughs> ox and they were delicious uh but but that like to do like but and we're so in those spaces like your voice counts and I've been very fortunate to work for a lot of people who have given me the opportunity, who have promoted me, who've given me opportunity, who've said, yes, Cameron, you can produce your episode. Yes, Cameron, you can write this. Yes, you can do. I mean, so I'm, I'm incredibly grateful to, you know, Brett Mahoney and Erica Montalvo-Bura and Lee Daniels and all of those people who forgiving me. And also all of the people who've taken, and Deborah Martin Chase, who fucking started my career. Um, and those are, who, and so that's, and, and that's sort of what that looks like. So what's going to have to happen, though, is that, people are going to have to make an intentional effort to get outside of their networks. So if I, if one of my shows got picked up tomorrow, I know exactly who I would want to call to staff on that room. But 
And now I'm fortunate that I know a lot of people. I know a lot of black people. I know a lot of black writers. I know a lot of white people. I know a lot of white writers. But the white person who is in that same boat has to work a little harder to ensure mm. that there's not just one black person in their room, to ensure there's not just mm-hmm. two black people in their room, to ensure that like they bring people in. There's a, And a lot of them say it's too hard, but we do exist if you know who to call. And mm-hmm. so it's a... That's the challenge, is are people going to put their money where their mouth is over and over and over and over again, um, even if it means not hiring your friend, or even mm. if it means putting a little in a little extra work. Yeah. And you, you actually mentioned in that, uh, in that video, you said that only, of, only 2% of the Writers Guild is African American. It was something like 300 out of, you know, probably what, tens of thousands of people? I mean, there's that... not tens of thousands of people in the Writers Guild, but there are many thousands of people in the Writers Guild of America, and mm-hmm. 2% of them are black. And we're, so we're talking about two to four, we're talking about 400 people. Like, there are, and there are, and a lot of them, a lot, and it's just, and it can just be very difficult. Because a lot of times black people aren't brought in just because they're funny or they're good writers. They're brought in because, oh, well, there's a black character, so we need this. But there's no reason why I'm not going to name names, but there are a number of shows that could use that like that don't have black people on them um, or on their staffs that could use a few black people. Because we don't do that to white people. We don't say white people can't write black stories. But we do say, even though black people have to, we have to understand whiteness in order to survive. Mm-hmm. And I do think it's interesting because I've read some reports that both like the Guild and um, different universities have put out. And it and it's even better for TV writers and film writers, like our screenwriters. It's even worse for them. So that Oh, yeah. Film writing, film writing is like... A, Film writing is low key a dying industry. Like it's a yeah. it's a hard thing to do, and it's a hard thing to break into, and it's hard to make a career out of that. And so TV is really, if you think about like what your favorite independent films were, and like to like like I think of like One Hour Photo in two thousand one with uh, Robin Williams, and where he plays like the stalker guy. Like mm-hmm. that would be a limited series now. That would be a Netflix show. And so that is, so TV is the new indie film and TV is where a lot of people are able to build their careers. And so, hey, I love television. Yay. It's fun to sell. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, well, I know we could talk forever, um, mm-hmm. but because there's, we'll have to have you back on, but I don't know, Miss Devereaux, do you have any? One oh, questions? girl, I was just going to tell y'all girls, like, I, when I was 21 and I went <laughs> and, in, and I was in New York City That's in the happening. summer, I had just turned 21, girl. <laughs> Miss Patrick Ian Pope, girl, she <laughs> she made a girl feel beautiful, girl. Oh, then. I should yes. tell you that. Yeah, she really did. Oh my! Did you have the gray contacts in? Were you were you dating uh, black I men sure, at that point? I sure I sure did have the gray contacts in that <laughs> yes, summer, girl. Yes, you did. Yes, and you yeah, did. and she, I, I was connected to Miss Patrick Ian Pope by somebody, girl, and we, mm-hmm. you know, she just always, she always just told me how beautiful I was, how this mm-hmm. and that. And I'll mm-hmm. never forget that. that oh, girl, you mean I'm, in person? In person, yeah. Oh, you know what's funny is that actually Patrick was, I don't know, he remembers that, but he's one of the early people I met when I came to LA. I think I interviewed to try and be his assistant. Um, and yeah, it was just, it was just nice to just meet him because I think both, especially for me and Miss Devereaux, for um, when we were in school, like Noah's Ark was like, we, I feel like we were in school in a time where we wanted to see ourselves and also being yes. um, mm-hmm. a city that was very diverse. And like, that was like, 
that was a viewing. If anyone hadn't seen it, it's like, oh no, girl, we all gotta watch it again. Like watching, yes. you know, there were only a couple episodes because <laughs> there were only a couple seasons of her. Uh, but she was special, and it's wild to me to think about how we still beyond. We haven't recreated that. We haven't but recreated that on we TV. We even right? don't, and I don't know if you. Have, I mean, we even don't even have really that many LGBT. Ver- we have characters, but in store in talking about shows that really front LGBT. The challenge characters, of gay many. of gay of TV shows that are <laughs> the gay challenge TV of shows gay. Now. <laughs> the challenge of gay is fiber supplementation. But in addition to that, the other challenge <laughs> of gay in TV is like that we're sort of past the point in TV where we're TV shows about gay people should just be about the fact that they're gay. Like coming queers, out. I don't queers, need to see it anymore. Queer's focus about being gay. It's like, oh my god, they're gay and they're going to dances, you know. Uh, <laughs> to an extent, like, you know, it, the, 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 to an extent, Noah's Ark is about the fact that these characters are gay. Like, that's part of what's revolutionary about it. And even if you go back and watch Patrick's movie, first movie, Punks, mm-hmm. the, oh, the first 10 minutes of Punks, you're like, oh, wow, I've never heard this before. It's four black gay friends, black queer friends, sitting around talking, rating, like, the hot male celebrities of the mm-hmm. day. Like, would you fuck Tupac? Ah, oh, yeah, Tupac could get it, but, you know, Dre, mm, Dre is really where it's at. Like, you've it's like, okay, we've never seen this before. Like, that's really cool. And so I think the challenge now is how do we move beyond they're gay as a TV mm-hmm. show and make yeah. it into some and make things that are a bit more stories that are a bit more perhaps advanced. Uh, and so, yeah. Yeah. Fun. But you doing the work, boo. I mean, you're, you're part of it. So I think that's why I'm so happy to have you on. And, you know, I adore you. Um, Cause yeah, we you're, appreciate you're part you, girl. Of we really appreciate you, girl, and telling our stories. Honestly, yeah. it's so important. It really is. Thank you. Well, Miss um, Dexter, I appreciate you. And <laughs> Moniker, I think you've done a wonderful job here. And, like, that's great. Oh, my goodness. Well, uh, we're going to leave that there. Um, so we'll start wrapping up the show. Um, so no listener mail this week. Um, but as always, you can send any mess, emails, comments to ask them, A-S-K-T-H-E-M at twosavequeens.com. You can also leave us a voicemail at 323-438-2827. Don't be scared. Um, so now I think we can go into our thoughts and prayers. And as our guest, um, I don't, if you're not sure, but um, just to reiterate, like thoughts and prayers are that moment where you just got, it's their rants, their rants. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, um, you know, a thought, if you have something, you know, that you just need to get off your chest about someone, somebody, something, and then a prayer, just some thing that you just want the girls to keep in their hearts and their minds. So if you need a mm-hmm. man to think about it, one of us could go in your stead. You know, I think that I would like to send out um, thoughts and prayers to the tempted and horny of COVID. (laughs) I know that this is a difficult time. There are a lot of people out there, you know, looking at a grinder grid, you know, maybe teasing themselves. They're tired of OnlyFans. They're tired of porn. Even the OnlyFans girls are tired of their OnlyFans. They're not even updating anymore. They're just like, fuck it, I'm trapped here. There's nothing we can do. (laughs) And so what I would hope for you is that you are blessed with either like a good flashlight um, with a water-based lube because you got to wash it out. It's careful. Uh, or just like a COVID <laughs> sex partner that you could do that with because random dick is not worth it in this moment. Maintenance sex is not worth it. So I'm praying for strength for you because the last thing I think you would want to feel is is if you went to somebody's house and had, you know, a 10-minute uncomfortable kiss-free sexual encounter on a mattress on a floor 
for instance, and then the next day you woke up with a cough and a headache and a fever, <laughs> I think you'd feel really fucking stupid. Mm. So yeah. if you are going to break quarantine for dick or hole or head or face or just to look at or just to just to have the scent of a man on your pillow, then make sure it's worth it. And the answer, if and the question is, if you're wondering whether or not it's worth it, it probably isn't. <laughs> so those are my thoughts and prayers oh, are to the the, the thirsty, horny hose of, of quarantine. Wow, that's good. Stay strong, um, girls. <laughs> Miss Deborah, you want to go next or you want me to go? Yeah, you can go ahead, girl. Go ahead, I mean. Um, yeah, mine, mine are so eclectic. Um, as normal. Um, first, I got some thoughts for Bubba Wallace holding it down. Call with me. NASCAR over there. That's he is kind of fine. No lie. Um, but Miss DJT just came for him because um, she loves to come for a black man. Um, basically, calling the news that it was a goddamn news. Like, y'all out here playing games. Fuck what the FBI said. But, um, yeah, it was a news. I mean, we saw the picture. It was fucking news. And basically saying it's a hoax and that this black man should apologize. Uh, and Bubba, girl, you took that high road. You put a whole little, like, you know, oh, we need some love. And I'm just here trying to do a good job. And Miss NASCAR, y'all fucking spineless assholes. All you can say is, oh, we stand with them. And okay, but you're not going to actually denounce what your this fucking president, the white ass president said about this man. So keeping Bubba in my thoughts because... Is wild that this is the world we live in where our president just attacks a black man every other week. Um, my prayers, um, I've got quite a few prayers for Miss Asia because Miss Hong Kong, she is, um, oh girl, she's going through it. We're on TikTok, as y'all know, at Tuesday Queens. Um, and she recently had to move her uh, headquarters out of Hong Kong because China is taking her over um, with their new security law. That is, from that, they are asking a lot of the tech companies to basically give them data and information on people who have been protesting and fighting for democracy, a thing that America used to do back in the day, uh, pre-Trump. So really keeping my prayers for them because it's really hard over there. Um, and then this last one is just for Miss Summer Taylor, who is um, they're a, a trans person who recently lost their life while protesting for Black Lives. Uh, I haven't seen, I've been seeing some conversations about them, but, you know, People are really putting their lives on the line um, and just definitely wanted to um, give them some space in your hearts and minds. Yeah, and I, I have a pretty serious one, too, on the same note. Um, there's a Black queen in Detroit here who was murdered, uh, 30 years old, DeAndre, uh, I'm sorry, DeAndre Watson. Um, and actually, he was the first Black male student body president at the University of Michigan. And he was actually headed to University of Michigan law school this fall but he was killed in a murder suicide here in detroit mm. um by well allegedly by deontes jones who also then killed himself i don't know the circumstances behind it um i don't know whether they were you know together or not together whether it was trade or whether i don't i don't know anything about it but i just pray for that girl's family because it was such a tragic loss this girl was huge in legislative politics here locally you know with our city council here in detroit and um, you know, even at the statewide level. And I think she was going big places and it's just such a tragic loss. Not just, you know, not just by virtue of her station in life, but also just because she was just also a really good person. Actually, my brother is friends with her. Mm. Um, and it was just a real tragic loss. It's all over our local news. But DeAndre Watson, we, um, you know, we send our thoughts and prayers to her and her family for her loss. So. Yeah. Um you know, we're in we're in this moment, y'all. So sorry to take it down a little bit after um, our wonderful talk. But, you know, 
Keep going. We gotta keep going. Um, so that's our show. Um, thank you as always for spending a little bit of time with us. Thank you to our extra special first guest, Mr. Cameron Johnson. Thank you, uh, <laughs> follow us on social media, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok um, until China takes her over at Two Save Queens. And where can the children follow you, Mr. Johnson? You can follow me at Cameron J. Awesome. Yes, Cameron J. Awesome on all <laughs> platforms. <laughs> Um, and we are also on every podcast platform, Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio. So don't forget to rate us and review us. Helps get us in front of more people. And with that, we will see you next week. Miss Devereaux, do you have a final word for the children? Yeah. So if you're going to fuck around, only let it hit <laughs> a trick. Hit it from the back, girl, during COVID. And wear a mask. Only from the back, though. Okay? Bye, girls. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Disgusting. Disgusting.